Hello and welcome to the Jewish's Podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode. I believe this is my first episode of 2022, and it's February? Oh gosh. I spent forever writing a podcast on the Gollum, and I still just haven't found... It's all written, everything's there, but I feel like there's something missing, so I haven't gone on to recording it yet, because I don't want to record it and then have that epiphany of, that's the thing that would make this podcast really shine. So I haven't recorded it yet. Uh, Instead, I'm going to be doing the podcast today on the modern resurgence of Techols because I think it's a fascinating topic and one that I personally feel very strongly about. Um, My patrons over on Patreon did get a sneak peek of some of the things that's coming in the Gollum podcast. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, it's a great way to support me and the podcast, not to mention that you can ask questions or request episodes. In some other very fun news, uh, my best friend, Kenzie and I have started a new podcast called the I-10 Book Club. It is a fiction book club. If you are on Book Talk, this is, we talk about all the books that you're going to see on Book Talk. Uh, we do one book, an episode, just a little deep dive into it with all of our thoughts. The first episode was on Twilight, and the second episode should be coming soon. You can follow us on all your favorites. Oh no, I hope no one can hear the windows rattling. They're very loud today for some reason. The first episode is already live and you can listen on all your favorite platforms and you can follow us on Instagram for updates and little cute fun book things as well. I think that's all of our bookkeeping. Oh, if you're not following the Jewish's Instagram, please do give it a follow. And if you're on Twitter, I'm also very active on Twitter, which I think some people are surprised by because most people find me through Instagram. But let's keep the house keeping short and sweet. I think that's it for today. Let's move on to the podcast. So a quick note about terminology. Tichos is Yiddish and Mitpachat is Hebrew, and these are just two terms for headscarves. The name Tichel uh, stems from the Yiddish Tuch, meaning cloth, while Mitpachat is, to quote, a Hebrew word from the Torah which literally means covering or mantle, although it is also used to mean many other things, such as towel, apron, bandage, or wrap. There are also other terms in Ladino, Judea Arabic, and other languages spoken by Jews. For example, even in Yiddish, there's other terms. For example, shmata is a term that I grew up with. It also means rag or cloth. Uh, I know people who use the term shmata when they prefer it far more over techo. They don't even call it techo personally in their own home. They call it shmata. Whereas I grew up in a home where if you said grab the shmata, you're grabbing the really ratty old cloth that's sitting in the back of the uh, laundry area because you need to wipe something down and you don't want to use the nice towels for it, Right. I've had some people get a little defensive when I bring up the fact that some people do use the term shmata, and they're like, well, I've never heard it before. Right. There are all sorts of different names, and just the ones that you're familiar with, maybe the ones that uh, are popular within your specific area of the community, while there are others outside of it. So as I personally refer to them as tichels, that is the language I'm going to be using while discussing this. It's not more or less correct than any of the other ones. I want to make that very clear. A tichel can come in any style, though stylistically, Jewish communities have created their own distinct wrappings that have flourished and gained popularity. These styles that Jews wear may overlap, and I'm not going to say may, almost always overlap with the styles that are worn by non-Jewish headscarf wearers, and it definitely depends on the region in which Jews live. So you cannot generally tell based on the style whether this person is specifically Jewish or not. Generally, sometimes in conjunction with other things, you might be able to. But in general, the styles are wide ranging and a tehel doesn't refer to just a single type. 
Now, if a non-Jewish person were to wear a headscarf, it would simply be known as a headscarf or by the cultural term that comes from their community or tradition. The reason for this is the term techo refers to a headscarf and it is a specific Yiddish terminology that is referred to headscarves within the communities that use Yiddish historically. If you don't come from a community that uses Yiddish or uses Hebrew, so mitpachat, uh, or uses the terms from Ladino, Judeo, Arabic, uh, Hekatia, any of the other Jewish languages, you generally would not use that terminology because it doesn't really make sense to. For example, I sell very cute kerchief-style bandanas on my shop. When I wear it, I call it a techo. When my friend wears the exact same one, she calls it a bandana or a kerchief because she isn't Jewish. So that terminology of techel isn't really relevant to her because she has no cultural connections to it. Is it wrong if she were to call it techel? No, it's just not relevant to her. So why would she? And I think that's something people get a little confused about because they're like, well, can I wear a techel? Can you wear a headscarf? Yes. A tichel is the specific terminology from within the Jewish community and within not even all aspects of the Jewish community. They're going to say midpachat, be a different area, right? Venn diagram, they cross over. It's just about the cultural terminology we use. Now, another important note is that while historically gendered, head coverings and veils are non-gendered and are free to be worn by any person should they so choose. Because I am discussing the historical use and backstories to the to these concepts, I am referencing the historic gendering and thought processes behind them. That does not mean that they are exclusive to any gender group. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm talking about this history in the terms of womanhood and women, that only women can wear them. I want to wear, make that very clear. Any person sh should wear what makes them comfortable. So since the days of the Bible, and even before that, Jews have covered their hair and their heads, um, from the head, head coverings of the high priests to the shawls and scarves used by many women. It is a common and vital part of Jewish culture. In the modern day, however, there is a misconception fueled by the most popular articles that show up when you Google techel, that techels belong exclusively to married Orthodox Jewish women. And this just isn't true. While we acknowledge that Orthodox women have maintained the tradition and kept it alive, the use of head coverings does not, and never did, solely belong to them. Uh, I attempted to cover the history of techels and kippot in my blog post that I did very early on in my Jewish's career, and it just kind of fell flat. People wanted more, they were confused, there were parts of it where I felt like maybe I didn't go in depth enough, and I definitely didn't, so I will refrain from rehashing the history of kippot, but I will dive into techels, their history, and their place in modern Jewish communities. So, halacha demands that a Jewish woman covers her hair, though like all things, it is complicated. Covered by what? How much of it? When? In front of who? And there are pages upon pages dedicated to this discussion within Jewish texts like the Talmud and others. Uh, my Jewish learning states... To quote, the origin of the tradition lies in the, lies in the sota ritual, a ceremony described in the Bible that testifies, that tests the fidelity of women accused of adultery. According to the Torah, the priest uncovers or unbraids the accused woman's hair as part of the humiliation that precedes the ceremony. From this, the Talmud, Ketubot 72, concludes that under normal circumstances, hair covering is a biblical requirement for women. To quote, the Mishnah stated, And who is considered a woman who violates the precepts of Jewish women? One who goes out and her head is uncovered. 
The Gemara asks, the prohibition against a woman going out with her head uncovered is not merely a custom of Jewish women. Rather, it is by Torah law, as it is written with regard to a woman suspected by her husband of being unfaithful, and he shall uncover the head of the woman. And the school of Rabbi Yishmael taught, for from here, there is a warning to Jewish women not to go out with an uncovered head. Since if the Torah states that a woman suspected of adultery must have her head uncovered, it indicates that a married woman must generally cover her head. Now, this passage mentions the history of uncovered hair being linked to adultery, but there were many practical uses for headscarves. It wasn't until the latter end of the 20th century that the popularity of headscarves waned in Western culture. They protected their wearer from sunburn, heat stroke, insects, and kept hair clean and untangled. And the way that Jewish women covered their hair did vary by Jewish community and their place around the globe. Now, while it is generally agreed upon that women are required to cover their hair in classical interpretations of Jewish law, this does not mean that all Jewish women do. And we're talking about married women here. Some only cover their hair while praying or lighting Shabbat candles. Others will use a kippah or yarmulke rather than a headscarf. And others will choose not to cover at all. But it wasn't just Jewish law that historically encouraged women to cover their hair. Minchag, or Jewish tradition, is heavily influenced by the cultures in which Jews live. Under Islamic rule, for example, to quote, Jewish women in many places covered their faces with veils, and to quote, there are reports that unmarried Jewish women in Muslim countries such as Yemen, Iran, Libya, Afghanistan, and elsewhere continued to cover their hair even into modern times. Maimonides, for example, the Rambam, also lived under Islamic rule, and he ruled that all Jewish women should cover their hair, married or not. To quote, Maimonides ruled, whether because of the law of Moses or because of the law of Jewish women, there is an obligation to go out with a head covering, and sometimes even two. His interpretation of these sources seems to extend to all women, married or not. Maimonides is further cited that it was grounds for divorce for a woman to leave the house without a chador, a garment, a garment made of a cloak that covers the body and the hair with an opening at the front. Now, Maimonides is in a good company with a Shulchan Aruch indicating that there is no distinction in this regard between married and single women. Jewish women, married or not, should not walk in the street with their hair uncovered. However, like all good Jewish things, the idea of prescription is not agreed upon. While many did not agree that unmarried women were required to cover their hair, uh, uh, many did not agree that all women were required to cover their hair. And in recent decades, Mincha has switched to encourage only married women to do so. But I think there's an important difference, and you can find this in a lot of different places in Jewish law. It is an important difference between not being obligated to do something and being forbidden from doing it. Now, there was a really fascinating article that I was reading specifically regarding uh, shazels, which we'll talk about in a little bit in a minute. And I want to read this quote here. By the mid-century, modern observant women simply didn't cover their hair anymore. This trend continued from Europe, where uncovered hair had become so commonplace, even in traditional circles, that a great Lithuanian rabbi had ruled it was no longer prohibited to say the Shema prayer in front of a woman with her uncovered hair, as is stated in the Talmud, because uncovered hair was so common that it could not be considered nakedness for all intents and purposes. And I won't go too, too deep into this sort of history, because I don't think it's necessarily super relevant in the conversation of the modern resurgence of Tichols, but it is important to note that uh, there's a prohibition that rules that the uncovered hair of a woman is erva, specifically a married woman, or it's a form of impropriety or nakedness. So what we're seeing here, for centuries, covering one's hair was perceived very differently than it is today. As I mentioned, it is only in the last century or so that has fallen out of favor in Western Europe, the U.S., and Canada. Even in the 50s and 60s, starlets wore headscarves regularly, 
though they tied them in a fair bit of different styles. Interestingly enough, when I posted this actual blog post, I received a message from a reader who let me know that they were they grew up in a generation where heads you they could not fathom their mom leaving the house without a headscarf of some kind. Uh, and they were so excited to grow up and wear headscarves. And by the time they grew up, they were no longer in fashion. They were no longer the thing to do. Um, but they grew up with this idea that, yes, of course you covered your hair when you left the house. Of course. It was, it was what you did. The example I use here is the 1964 classic Broadway play, Fiddler on the Roof, where no one bats an eye at the head coverings of the unmarried young woman, as it's seen entirely normal. People accept that there are different societal norms, and within the Jewish community, we create our own standards. I also want to say this, and this is, might be my most controversial thing that I've said on my podcast so far. People assume that because I'm a Jew, I must love the Fiddler on the Roof. And look, I have a great appreciation for it. I think there's some great parts of it. Fantastic aesthetics, but it's just depending on the movie, too. I'm not a musical person. And <laughs> every time I try and watch Fiddler on the Roof in the last couple of years, I just fall asleep halfway through. I know, I know. Don't yell at me. I know. Uh, and the other thing is, TikTok seems to think that I really must love musicals. So they keep trying to put me on musical TikTok, specifically Fiddler on the Roof TikTok. I don't know how to get out of there. Anyway, now because of the change in perception regarding head coverings, people react very differently to non-married people donning tichels now than they now than they might have even a hundred years ago uh, in Israel, Europe, and the Americas. Now, while Jews may be loath to admit it, our fashion is impacted by that of the non-Jews around us, meaning in places where headscarves are considered safe, we feel more comfortable donning them. And this is an important, also important discussion of how tichels exclusively, exclusively belong to Orthodox women. Ironically, when I talk about this, it is mostly men and non-Orthodox people that I see enforcing this belief system, um, accusing Jews of appropriation accusing like the jews who happen to be unmarried who happen to wear a tichel of appropriation of um disrespecting jewish culture of going against judaism all this sort of thing it's mostly men it's mostly non-orthodox people um and in conversations with orthodox women i have found that their reaction generally leans more towards puzzled at why one one would take this on than they are about angry or possessive i have actually never come across an orthodox person being angry or possessive about it. Uh, I'm sorry, orthodox woman. I have come across men, and again, non-orthodox folks who are very much so. But this does not stop the people ranting and raving against the resurgence of tichels by non-married people. So again, as we've talked about, as I mentioned, while orthodox Jewish women have carried the tradition for to the present, this is a shorter part of history that is far from indicative that the tichel belongs to only one kind of Jew. Now, this may be in part fueled by the idea that those who wear tichels when not married or, or orthodox women are only doing it for fashion or, and I say this because the people who say it in a derogatory term, uh, they say, oh, for culture, as if that's some sort of horrible thing. Now, while both may be true and there's nothing wrong with either, people also wear it for religious reasons. Um, and again, nothing wrong with fashion or culture, except in these people's eyes. It's also important to discuss the very real impact of anti-Semitism on covering one's hair. Outside of Israel and a few other countries, tichels are very often swapped for a far safer form of hair covering. 
because of the stark way in which a hair covering can identify a person as a non-Christian, excluding nuns, habits, or mantillas worn in church, many Jews have switched away from wrapping in favor of less conspicuous hair coverings like hats, berets, snoods, or wigs. Others have dropped the practice of covering their hair completely, specifically in regards to anti-Semitism. On another note, I just want to say I love the word snood so much. Uh, Growing up, my mother played a game on our computer called Snood, and I've never heard of anyone else knowing it, but it is a core memory for me. So whenever I say Snood, I know what I'm thinking about. I know it's the hair covering, but all I can think about is that little uh, computer game she played. One of the things I want to point out is that there are many Israeli Jews who are taken aback when they enter Jewish communities outside of Israel, and they see the lack of headscarves. Uh, I can't tell you how many posts, videos, tweets I've seen about how sad it made them and how they wished that the world were safer for Jews so they could wear traditional uh, Tehel styles without fear. And I've watched people have the epiphany in live when they realized, why would a Jew feel much more comfortable wearing a lace front wig in public than they would feeling wearing the Tehels that their mothers wear? Um... So we need to talk about wigs just a little bit, not too much. Um, And if you're in the Ashkenazi Jewish world, you've probably heard them referred to as shaitals. Now, according to the foreword, Jewish women have been donning wigs as a form of hair covering since the 16th century. Wig wearing would become popular among Europeans in the 18th century, and it remained popular within the Jewish world, even when it faded from popularity among the higher classes in Europe. Now, there is an article on the foreword that describes what they call the taxonomy of shaitals, but I will say that the article is very much centered on New York Ashkenazi life, so much so that it gives different location guides as to where you might see specific kinds of wigs or shaital styles. Um, I did want to include that I found out, and it's not really relevant in the grand scheme of things in this conversation, but I found out the reason that so many Chabad women wear shaitals as opposed to techol is because the Lubavitcher Rebbe said that wigs were better than scarves or hats because women might be tempted to take their hats or scarves off in public, but no one would dare to remove a wig in public. To this I respond, are you sure? Are you, are you certain? Um, so while it's not the, f- the focus of today's episode, it is a great discussion I love to have. Um, and you can see how a lot of and if you read these articles, you can see how a lot of rabbis ended up having their opinions being derailed by the actual actions of women. Women wore shaitals. Rabbi disagreed. Women kept doing it anyway. Rabbi said, I guess, sure, I guess we're doing it now. Uh, so let's get back to the techo. Oh, and I also did want to mention, really importantly, there is almost no pushback that I have seen about unmarried people wearing wigs uh, in the Jewish community because there are many young Jews who choose to wear wigs for many different reasons. And almost none of it has the same pushback that I have personally seen. And if I'm wrong here, I'd be happy to be corrected and I can we can talk about it another time. Um, but again, there is a very specific cultural attachment to shaitals that doesn't necessarily extend to wigs, or else we would see the same kind of outrage in regards to young people wearing wigs. So there is a huge resurgence movement towards the techel, and it's not just by married women. People of all genders, movements, and levels of observance have begun being drawn towards covering their hair and reconnecting with traditions deemed by those of us who came before as dangerous or unsafe. Judaism is constantly redefining its own beliefs around modesty, and it is up to each individual to choose how they dress. So it's no wonder that people are reconnecting with an act of covering one's hair even if it's only sometimes. Now, in order to answer the question of 
why do non-married, non-Orthodox Jews wear tichels? I reached out to a, I, I put out an open call and asked for people to send in theirs uh, with the specification that this would be used in this blog post and so on. So I want to highlight the voices of others who choose to wear the tichel. And these are responses from Jews of all nationalities, movements, genders, and levels of observance. And we'll talk about my own answers at the end. So for many, the tichel represents a connection to their heritage. To quote, I wear a tichel, not every day, for a couple of reasons. First, it helps me connect to my Jewish heritage. Second, I take the subway and I don't want to have to wash my hair every time I come home. I am Jewish, non-binary, and queer. I have been raised and socialized as a woman. It helps me connect to my Judaism and signal to others visually that I'm Jewish. It makes me feel like I'm a part of the community, and when I see others with their hair covered, I feel like we can have each other's backs. For others, it's a form of resistance against assimilation and anti-Semitism. I am refusing to forget my heritage. As the youngest of the family, I am the furthest away from their generation. I fear they will be forgotten as time passes, as I have kids and they have kids of their own. As great-greats and great-great-greats are added to their titles, their names fade, their stories fade. The Tichel gives me moments to remember my Judaism. Where did it come from? Who made it so I was blessed to be born Jewish? Simply, they did. They persisted, survived, and made it so I can exist as a Jew in public with little to no fear of hate or threat of death. I cannot thank them enough for their survival in impossible conditions. The Tichel keeps me humble, keeps me thinking of them. The Tichel reminds me of how lucky I am to be alive. To quote, I wear a Tichel because it makes me feel rooted and grounded in my Jewish self. I'm from a family that lived in Brooklyn and moved to Florida that lost a lot of our identity as Jews from fear of persecution. So we assimilated. I'm the first member in three generations to start reclaiming more of my identity. I'm 21, non-binary, and unmarried. I started wearing a tichel this year when I saw the anti-Semitism present at the Capitol riots, now and everywhere. My family is supportive, but scared for me to present as Jewish. I started to wear a tichel almost a year ago after seeing various non-married and non-Orthodox Jewish women start wearing them on social media. I was very drawn to the idea, and the first time I tried one on, I felt more like myself than I had ever felt. I imagine some of that some of my ancestors would have worn a tichel if none of the women in my family, even if none of the women in my family wear one. Wearing a tichel is a way of reconnecting to Judaism every day as well as my ancestors. I like the spiritual idea of a tichel being a sort of protection or barrier from bad vibes or energy, especially as a hypersensitive person. For others, it is a means of spiritual connection. I cover my hair on Shabbat, holy days, religious study days. Days when I am with God. It helps me feel less vain and less connected and obsessed with my body. It's a way to reach out spiritually. I wear techo because I love the look of them and I appreciate their symbolism. Wearing one helps me feel connected to my Judaism, reminds me of God's constant presence, and allows me to express my Judaism stylistically. My techo is a reminder that Hashem is always with me and part of my own beauty. Feeling confident without showing my hair has helped me attain a new level of confidence. Furthermore, it allows me to take a piece of my culture with me throughout the day. I get strange looks, but I don't care. It makes me proud to be such a part of such a vast, vibrant community. For quite a few, it serves in another purpose entirely. I started wearing a techo because it was expected of me. I was raised Orthodox, and I looked forward to it my whole life. I love wearing it as a symbol of my commitment to my marriage and Judaism. As for me, I have loved covering my hair since I was a child. There are so many very embarrassing photos of me with various headscarves. Uh, some of them looking good and some looking like I got my head stuck in a bag uh, since I was a, a very young child. 
I grew up with my mother not covering her hair, with the exception of Kabbalat Shabbat, but my ultra-Orthodox aunt did, as did many people I knew, including um, my Robinson and her family, but, you know, with different things. And when I was about 15 or 16, I started wearing a techel on and off. In my own complicated journey with Judaism, the choice to techel, even occasionally, was an important one for me. It was a tangible step that I could take, that I could physically see as part of my active choice to connect with Judaism. I began to wear one more consistently when I started working from home. Um, I didn't have to explain myself to people. Uh, those in my life largely took it in stride with a joke here or there about me becoming my aunt. Uh, but it became a very important part of my day. And wearing a tichel, much like Tznias in general, allows me to choose who sees parts of me and when. It is a physical barrier, just like any other piece of clothing, that creates a barrier between myself and the outside world that I am in charge of. And that's one of the things I really love and appreciate about uh, Tznias, where it's who is in control of seeing my body when. Who gets to see what parts of me when? And a lot of that comes with wearing a tichel. I am fully in control. And I'm also invariably more connected to my Judaism when I wear it. While I need no reminder on a daily basis, it is a beautiful feeling to exist in a way that I feel exemplifies my Judaism. I am not more Jewish when I wear it, but I am honoring the part of me that reaches for tradition, for community, for history, and for observance. Being openly, vibrantly Jewish is something that has taken me a very long time to do, and Tichel serve as a part of my connection to myself, my Judaism, and, in a greater sense, Hashem. So that is the personal reasons why some people might choose to wear a Tichel. As you can see, there are far, far-reaching ideas, right? From people who are married to people who are not married to people who are Orthodox and non-Orthodox, there are so many different reasons why someone might choose to start doing it. So a lot of people ask me, how do I start wearing a tichel? Or can I start wearing a tichel? And the answer is yes, and I'll talk to you about how. Once you have made the decision to been wearing a tichel, how you go about it is entirely up to you. From small bandana styles to full hair coverings, it is entirely dependent on your comfort. For those living in spaces where wearing a head covering can be dangerous, the rise of bandana fashion has been extremely useful. People look at me less when I wear the bandana style uh, versus the, at times, really uh, bad, let's just say bad looks that people may give me when I wear a full tichel. There are tons of tutorials on YouTube. Uh, Rapunzel is a great resource. There are tons of resources you can find for other shapes. You can also look with things tagged under headscarf or hijab for different style inspiration. Now, there are no regulations on how often or how long you have to wear a techel. Whether you prefer to wear it for Shabbat or prayer or wear it when you're drawn to it, it's entirely up to you. There are days where I start the day wearing a techel and by like 5 p.m. I actually don't want to wear it anymore, so I just I choose to remove it. There are days where I get up in the morning and I think, no, I don't really want to wear it today. And then by the time it hits noon, I've realized that I would actually feel a lot more comfortable if I were to be wearing one. Don't feel obligated to go zero to 100 or feel obligated to wear a certain style that doesn't feel comfortable to, you know, for you. Now, I do think it's very important here that we talk about some topics that some people like to shy away from when we have this discussion. Some people may assume you're married because of it. If you are in a visibly, if you're in a very Jewish area or you meet other Jews, they may assume that you are married because of it. Uh, if this is something you don't want to happen, you have to, one, be aware that people might make that assumption and then act accordingly. 
Now, there's also the issue of you may experience harassment. There are lots of people who are unaware of Jews' history with headscarves, and they may assume you're Muslim or of another faith. And when this happens, it is our duty as a community to stand up for our siblings from other religions and defend them in these situations. I've had people assume that I was Muslim and say very negative things to me. And the answer shouldn't be, oh, I'm not a Muslim, it's fine. The answer should never be to throw other people under the bus because people assume that you are of that group and are ne- speak negatively or harmfully uh, or Islamophobically or any other sort of bigotry as a result of that. And you also have to remember that you may be a target for anti-Semitic hate crimes as well as other, you know, being harassed. And these are things that are very frightening to talk about. And I know a lot of people like to just ignore it and not talk about it. But I think it is important um, to acknowledge that these are things that happen in the world and that we need to talk about it so that it doesn't happen as much so that we can educate on the topic. I love wearing a tichel and I am so fascinated and enthralled by the resurgence that we're seeing and how people are choosing to once again claim this part of their identity that comes with deciding who gets to see your body, who gets to be part of whatever you choose to share. This idea of consent through veiling is something that I find really fascinating. And I also want to acknowledge that for many, this is not empowering. For many, when they hear of it, this is something that they are loathing, and it to them is a symbol of misogyny and suffering and oppression at the hands of their own community. And these things can coexist. My feeling of empowerment and love because of the tichol does not take down from someone else's feeling um, and experience of oppression at the hands of their community because of it. So I do think it's important that we make that acknowledgement as well. And I think with that acknowledgement, we come to the end of our podcast, and I have some great discussions here that I think will be really, really useful. So, and these are the sources. I know I usually do a little thing before the sources, but I actually want to talk about the sources beforehand because I think that it could be really interesting for people. So there's Nashim, a journal of Jewish women's studies and gender issues, n- uh, number 23, the Jewish woman in her body, slash with the consulting editor, Rachel S. Harris. There is Hey Alma's Secular Jewish Women Covering Hair. My Jewish Learnings article, Hair Covering for Married Women, the foreword, the complete history of the shaitel, and then the foreword, the taxonomy of the shaitel. So I think those are some really interesting ones that you can go ahead and read. And now let's get to the final bits. Remember, you can uh, please subscribe and follow rate. You can now read on Spotify. You can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts as well. Those are really, really helpful. Downloads, saves, follows, those all really help boost the podcast. And we also have... Um, you can follow me on my Instagram, Jewitches, my Twitter, The Jewitches, or my personal, Zoe Yacobi, where you can stay up to date. And I think that's everything. So thank you so much for listening. Oh, I forgot the most important thing. I want to say thank you to someone who left a really nice review on Apple Podcasts. This is not the first episode of 2022. What am I talking about? The first episode was Divination, which I already did that one. Well, uh, for the, um, I want to say thank you to Rose and B for their very, very sweet comment. It means so much to me to read all of them. I truly am so grateful and blessed to have such wonderful people leaving reviews. With that note, uh, I will see you all very soon. Bye-bye.